Well, welcome to the Super Bowl, Final Four, Daytona 500, World Cup Finals, all wrapped into one day. This is Easter Sunday. This Sunday is bigger than all those in one day. This is a great day. Changed everything. Excited for you to be here today. What a great looking crowd. Thank you for making the decision to be a part of this today and being a part of this community, man, alive. This is, uh, we pray for you. Uh, we were praying for you before you got here. We're praying for you now, praying for us, of what God can do in one day, in one few minutes of gathering together, how he can change a life, and it's going a different direction. And that one life being changed changes a generation, possibly. Changes a family. Changes everything. Because of one day, Easter Sunday. Telling Jan the other day, I really struggle, struggle at times, and maybe some of you, you, you may not be in this case, with, you may be, is the gap that I have between my knower and my doer. How many of you have that? You know, you know what you should be doing. I mean, often we blame it on other people when our own worst enemy is us, right? We don't have to go around, well, they kept me from doing that. No, I knew what to do. My knower was right, just I couldn't get my doer to move. Seth Godin says there's a space between where you are now and where you want to be where you ought to be, what you're capable of being, a gap between your reality and your possibility. Sometimes that gap feels like it's as big as the Grand Canyon, right? It's massive, but in reality, it's not that far. And you come to a day like today, and I have a feeling because the prayers have gone forth, the spirit we believe is here moving and shaking and going in and out of these, these uh, seats. There's going to be some points today for some of you, hopefully for all of us, there's some knowing. We're going to know. It's going to hit. You're going to know. Then it's that question, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? James 1 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, I want you to make sure maybe Mark underline that, into the perfect law that gives what? Freedom and continues in it. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They'll be blessed in what they do. The saying we use almost every Easter, and I use it in different times too. The deal is not that you have an encounter with Jesus. It's what you do after the encounter that 
matters. What do you do with it? Not the fact that you have one. I'm going to tell you today, I believe all of us will have that. That's not going to be in question for me. The question is, what do you do with it? You know, the church and our culture today, if you was to ask people out there, you know, do you think the church is a forward-thinking group? You know, do you think that Christians are very forward-thinking, progressive, if you think forward, progressive? Most people would say no, right? They say that they're backwards. They, these, these people are backwards. They, they're, they're so traditionalist. They need to get loose. They need to be innovative. They need to be looking forward. That's what today is about. We are a people who are forward-thinking. Just way past where some people feel comfortable. Sometimes when people ask me if I'm on an airplane or something, people ask me what I do for a living. I tell them I've been in short-term and long-term investment. It's true. Now, don't look at my finances because I hadn't done very well on that part, but other than that. But I think on the other part, I'm still I'm on track. But one of the reasons we can look forward today is because, of, to, because you and I are forward-thinking people is because what happened on this day when we celebrate this day? Yes, the cross, but it's the empty tomb. It's the resurrection, and not just the resurrection of Jesus, but the promise of the resurrection of his people of the church. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If only for this life we have hope, as Paul writing, we have hope in Christ. If it's only for this life, we are to be pitied more than all men. If if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Paul says if there's no resurrection, and some of you are going to like this, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let's just go party. That's what that means, right? There's no restraints. Because if sin is not sin... And there is no resurrection, there is no judgment seat. If there is none of that, let's just do what we want to do. Because we might as well get all we can out of this life, right? It makes no sense. If I understand why people are trying to get so much out of this life and they cling so tight to this life because this is all they are believing in. That's why. If only for this life, I don't blame people for trying to get everything out of it. I don't blame people for trying to be God in their own lives or or some version of that. It makes sense. As Christians, we believe we'll live again. Consider the words of the Apostle Paul here in 1 Thessalonians. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Christianity is not just different. It is unique. 
is not another religion amongst all the other religions. We believe it is the only way to God. Christ is unique. The body of Christ, the church is unique. The worship is unique, even like this morning with the drums that some of you put the band out front. If we're going to fight, if we're going to battle, what do you do? Put the band out front. Read it in Scripture. We are a peculiar people. And guess what? We don't need to be apologizing for that. A few years ago, I read Dr. David Music in an article he was writing. I love this, and I've used it even in funerals before and memorial services, but I love this. He said the early Christians' view of death had a huge impact on their society. He said in 124 AD, the Roman Empire, Hadrian wanted to know more about the growing Christian religion, and he asked the, the Greek philosopher, Aristides, said, tell me about these Christians. And he replied, he said, well, when one of the Christians dies and passes from this world, the rest of the Christians rejoice and offer thanks to God. And they escort their body as if, as if, as if they were setting out from one place to another, from this earth to heaven. Crazy people. Peculiar people. But he goes on to say, uh, Dr. Busick says that early Christians even changed the name of their burial places. Greeks called a burial place a necropolis, meaning city of corpses. Christians began to call theirs a cemetery, meaning dormitory of sleepers. They, they, they knew that those who sleep in Christ will one day they be awakened to live with their Lord forever. Forward thinking. We are a forward thinking group. Maybe not by the, the definition in today's culture, but we are a forward-thinking bunch of people. But it's hard, isn't it? Because we still live in this world. And I love when I read of people I have a great admiration for who have dealt with the same thing I deal with and the same thing you've dealt with, fear, the fear of death. John Wesley, and many of you know, maybe you don't today, from John Wesley, who we are part of the, our, our background is Wesleyan theology or the Wesleyan teaching and Church of the Nazarene. But John Wesley talks about, and this is in the 1700s, he talks about him going across the Atlantic Ocean and this, this big storm comes. Huge storm comes and, and it's crashing and everybody thought they were going to die and everybody's afraid on the sh ship except these, this group of missionaries, Moravian Mor uh, missionaries, and they were just calm. And after the storm subsided, John Wesley, again, you know I hold him in high esteem, John Wesley walks over to the missionaries and said, why were you not afraid? He said, that's easy. I know Christ. And the missionary asked John Wesley back, do you know him? And John Wesley said in that moment, I thought I did till then. It was a game changer for John Wesley. Well, it's all words and all thought. But as Christians, we don't fear that. 
As Christians, the resurrection promises. If it's 18 years or 88 years or whatever it is, there's a great hope. See, we believe as Christians that history is headed somewhere. That there's not just a stopping place and, oh, well, just clean your slate out. Hopefully you did some good for humanity while you were here. No, this thing, what we do here matters over there. And we will be raised from the dead. Crazy talk, I know. But that's why we're here today. It's not just the resurrection of Christ, but it's the resurrection of those who follow him. Our knower and our doer. If many of you were honest today, you're here today because you're guessing. You're hedging your bet a little bit. I'll believe in this thing just in case. The problem with guessing is you don't know till the end whether you guessed right. And along the way, you're guessing for other people, especially if you've got a family, you've got friends, you've got coworkers. Yes, I'm including everybody here. You've got classmates. Your little guessing thing very well hinges, it may hinge, helping them hinge on what they do with their life. For some of you, you feel safe enough just thinking, well, I, I would rather have a secondhand relationship with Jesus. Glenn Packiam talks about it in his book, Secondhand Jesus. He talks about, I'll let my spouse have that, or I'll let my pastor have that. If, the, if God needs me to know something, he'll tell my pastor to tell me on Sunday or whenever I show up once a month. I'll find out then. Or maybe my kids go. Maybe my kids, they're following after Jesus. That's awesome. I'll get something someday from them. God will tell them because he loves kids. And if he needs me to know something, he'll let me know through them. You may have the working man's agreement with God. And I love what Glenn Packiam says in this. He says, it's a transaction between two mutually agreeing parties. You pray a prayer, go forward for the altar call, do your best to show up at church and drop something in the bucket, maybe even tithe and hope God keeps us out of hell. It's worth the gamble. We know that even, things, even if things don't go great, God will take care of us on judgment day. He will do his part. We don't need an emotional high. We don't need to sense his presence. We just do our part, and he'll do his part. Well, he will do his part. I, I count, you, count on that. We don't need contact, just the contract with God to work. No big expectation of God, so no obligation on our, our part to change. Aren't you glad God is patient? Second Peter 3, 9 through 18, or through, through 15, says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. I didn't even get an amen there. How many of you have Amen, right? <laughs> like, thank goodness he is patient with me. Not 
not wanting anyone to perish. Everyone come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. I mean, I think most of us who, are, who know there are people dying right as we are in this room right now in our community. And I know Paul is thinking way forward. But I also know it can come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done, done on it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to be live holy and godly lives as you do what? Look forward. You're forward-thinking people. To the day God... In, in speed, it's coming. To the day of God, in speed, it's coming. In other words, you're praying for it. What? Wait, 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 wait. I hadn't got to Social Security yet. And I paid into it the whole time. Jesus, don't come back now. That's a lot of investment, right? Not much return, but a lot of investment. I hadn't raised my kids yet. I hadn't got married yet. Or whatever you're... Whatever that thing is. The word tells us to look forward. Oh, yeah, that was Christmas, remember? To look forward, not only to the first time, but to the second time. To speed, to be praying. Speed, it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt into the heat. Okay, you can listen to Dr. Dan on Thursology if you want to know all the rest about that. I just put that out there. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So, so then, dear friends, since you are who? You're the looking forward people. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Bear in mind that the reason why he is patient is because he wants you to know him. He wants you to come home. So many of us have looked for, as Ali's already said, the living among the dead. It's time for you to begin to look for the living among the living Savior. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to run. I know what it's like even when we talk about torment or hell or whatever that is. You know, we, we, we think about that at times. And, you know, for me, and, and I've told this story many, many times, when I gave my life to Christ on, on, on the interstate on-ramp, I, was, I knew the reason I was crying out to the Lord is because I was telling Jan, I'm going to hell without Jesus. And, of course, I've told you this before, and Jan's going, no, you're a good man. And I'm telling her, it's not enough. She goes, you're a good man. And I'm saying, it's not enough. She was wrong. It wasn't enough. It's not enough. That's that peacemaker she has in her. Didn't want to confront 
Even though I came to Christ because I thought if I died, and I was having, thought I was having a heart attack, long story, I won't go into all that, but because of that, I thought I was going to hell. I accepted Christ. I didn't know that quickly that would be turned to realize how much he loved me. He brings circumstances into my life. He allows things to happen to get my undivided attention. And I realized, I thought growing up, especially around church, and I've told, I quit going to church when I was 16, 17, in that range until I was 27, and I gave my life to the Lord, but, but I thought hell, it, I thought it was pretty easy to go to hell. But you know, I started preaching to teenagers years ago, and of course you'd have hated being in my youth group probably, but one of the things was, was I said, you know, it's really hard to go to hell. You have to really work at it. I mean, think about it. Especially if you're in the United States. There's a church on every corner. How can you miss it? There's a steeple everywhere. How can you miss the fact that that's happening? So you may look at that as a barricade, but you may come along, boom, I'll kick that barricade down. I ain't going to bother with that. That's out of my way, and I'm moving that. But there's people witnessing to you. Don't you hate those? I did, man. When I, was, when I was away from the Lord, I hated that. I hated that when people would try to share their faith with me. Because it made me what? Uncomfortable. It was a barrier. It was a, they were putting up a barricade from hell for me. But you know what? I'd come along and go, boom, kick that barricade down. Down with that. And there was the Word of God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. It didn't change when I wanted it to change. And it wasn't true the day I came to know the Lord, by the way. It was already true. Isn't that shocking? December 14th, 1986 was not the day the Bible became true. It was the day I accepted it. But it was already true. The truth. When I was growing up, and I don't know you, I grew up in the South, so we used to have the Bible man come to school. Anybody ever have the Bible man come to their school? Tells you how old I am and tells you I lived in the South. It was the Gideons. I didn't even know what they were. The Gideons guy, he would come and he'd have these little signs. It would be the whole school. It would be the 12th grade. All of our, all of our people were in the same building, just so you know, 12th through 1st. And, uh, no kindergarten. And, uh, and so we, the Bible man would come and be at an auditorium, and it would be, he would do this. I remember this one song. Stop and let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Stop and let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. He forgave my sins and he saved my soul, cleansed my heart, and he made me whole. Stop. Let me tell you what the Lord has done for you. I was six years old. I had this big old stop sign. Go and tell the world what the Lord has done for you. Anyways, I'm going to. <laughs> what my point is this. I wasn't ignorant. But I kicked that aside at 16, 17. You ain't stopping me, man. I got somewhere to go. Your conscience. It preaches to you 24-7. God uses it. Every one of us have it. But there's a problem with your conscience, right? 
you strive really hard to harden it. You strive really hard to become indifferent. Going, I ain't letting my conscience be my barricade to where I'm going, boom, kick that barricade out of the way. I'm going to harden you enough where I won't even hear from God. Anybody been there? Romans 1.18, the wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth, who suppress the truth. Here's what I believe. God is wanting the truth to bubble up from within you, and you're like, you're on top of it trying to keep it. That's what my picture I've got in my head, and I know this thing's rattling, I can't help it. I can't calm down. But it's almost like when I read that scripture, it's almost like I am pushing the truth down. It's trying to bubble up. It's trying to take a difference. It's trying to, but I push it down. He goes on to say, since what may be known about God is plain to them, meaning us, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. It's unfortunate that you came here today if you were wanting to leave with an excuse between your knower and your doer. You are without excuse. I'm not trying to scare you. Hope I'm not your friend, your brother. Circumstances. God brings circumstances into your life and you go, ah, you ain't doing that to me. I don't even know if God really likes having to use these. I don't know how to, I, I can't apologize for God. I don't know how all that works, okay, in his economy. But I do believe he uses circumstances. That's for sure. Boom. Get away from me. I've got somewhere to go. How many of you had a praying grandmother? A praying mom and dad? Praying siblings? You've been praying for you to get your life on track. Maybe it's one of your children praying for you. They're praying for you. It's a barricade. It's to stop you. It's to move you back on track. But oh yeah, it's easy at some point, but it's hard. Boom. I'm going to kick the prayers out of the way. I appreciate you praying for me. I got somewhere to go. The Holy Spirit. In the South, we call it the Hound of Heaven. Anybody ever heard that? Won't leave you alone. No matter where you go, what you do. You try to make it go away. And that's where we go back to hardening the heart. Of course, the last one and there's more, is the cross. I love what Max Lucado says about the cross. He says that we can do what we want with Christ and his death and resurrection. We can examine its history 
We can study its theology. We can reflect on its prophecies. Yet one thing we can't do is walk away neutral. That you can't ignore a piece of lumber that suspends the greatest claim in history. That this baby born in a manger 33 years later would be a crucified carpenter claiming to be God on earth. The bottom line is sobering. If the account is true, it's history's greatest, I put this in there, game changer. Because all of history hinges on that. Your last stop to hell is the cross. you got to kick it out of the way. It's really hard to go to hell. You have to overcome, and you have to, there's so much you have to overcome to go to hell. And what I love is the word says God is patient with us so that none would perish. That's great news. God doesn't want you to go there. I don't care what theology, our theology says, this is available to everyone. Everyone. Second hand. This can't be secondhand information. Can't be a contract. God, do you let somebody know that I trust in their faith to let me know when I need to know something? It's between me and him. We know it in our knower. I think that knower's been placed there. I don't think you can run from it. You can harden it. You can try to ignore it. You can walk away, as James says, in the mirror, see yourselves, and turn around and go, I don't remember what I am. You know, as a kid, growing up in the South, Everybody knew Jesus. I mean, I don't know of any other religion. Honestly, I don't know anybody that I knew in the South, in Arkansas, that had any other religion. But everybody thought they were Christian. And there was all kinds of flavors of Christians, right? There's a bunch of different ones. In my little town, somebody the other day, in my little town, I think there were like nine different denominations in my town of 400 people. And you think about that. Are we oversaturated a little bit, you think? <laughs> it's crazy. But I think all the guys I ran with and gals I ran with, I think if we were asked, we knew there was something out there. And if we'd have voted on a God, you know, if you'd put me in a voting booth, I wouldn't have voted Allah or, or I'd have voted for Jesus, but I still lost as a goose, right? And we all, I think, to some degree thought someday, just not what? Today. The day kept getting kicked further out there. And it gets kicked further out there. The scripture tells us today, if you hear my voice, do not. What? Harden your heart. Not my words. Man, it all can change in a moment. Yeah, some of it changes over time. Things happen. It kind of takes you, brings you to a certain place. 
God brings people into your life. Circumstances happen. And you know. You know when you're knower. That this secondhand thing is not going to work. You know. When I gave my life to the Lord at 27, I knew nothing about Christianity. I didn't know, as a southern phrase, I didn't know come here from Sikkim. If you know what that means, if you're a hunter, you know what that means in Arkansas. Talking about a dog, just so you know. Hunting dog. But I just didn't know. And one of the misconceptions about having secondhand or hearsay or rumors about Jesus is that somehow or another I was going to have to give up all these things. There's going to be this restrictive. That's what I, I, it kept me for years, it kept me for a decade. Of all the things I was going to have to give up, he never, never realized what I was going to gain. I was just driving over here this morning thinking, what would, what would my, even the people I know, some of the most unbelievable people that have ever been on the face of this earth, how I would have never known them the way I know them without Christ. I just absolutely, I might have cruised by them, I might have worked with some of them, but I'd have never known them. But a foundation to know where I'm headed, because I'm headed somewhere that doesn't stop at my memorial service. That's the reason why we can celebrate when we come to memorial service. So we can celebrate because that is not the end. It's just closing a chapter and really it's just the beginning. That's what Resurrection Sunday does for us. It's not just Jesus being raised from the dead, it's you. Job 42 says, if you know Job, if you're familiar with the church, you're familiar, if you're not, you probably still know it. Well, the life of Job, you probably heard, I heard that way before, even though I didn't know you know where it came from, to be honest with you. You know, people just throw that term around because it's used so easily about a pretty devastating life where everything's taken away and Job would still serve God. And you can go read it. It's in the Old Testament. You can go read it. But Job comes to a conclusion. Again, you read his story, you're going, in fact, he's still alive. That's a blessing, yes, but man, the devastation. I'm reading this out of the message But he says, I am convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You ask me, who is muddying these waters, ignorantly confusing the issue, second-guessing my purposes? I admit I was the one. I babbled on about things far beyond me. Anybody ever done that? Made small talk about things way over my head. You told me, listen and let me do the talking. Let me ask the questions. You give the answers. 
He said, I I admit I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand for my own eyes and ears. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll never do that again. I promise. I'll never again live on the crust of hearsay and crumbs of rumors. The very thing you've held at arm's length, being in contact, not just a contract, a transaction. I give my life to you, to you, you get me to heaven. That's the deal. I don't see that in here. And by the way, even if it was, and if that's the way it only worked, there's so much more. Oh my goodness. As I listed off the barricades today, how many of you kicked over? It could be that person that's been, hearts, they've been praying for you, they've witnessed to you. You want to know? Got somewhere to go. I'm just going to kick that one out of the way. Here at Renovation, we believe when a person comes to know Christ, it's more than just a transaction. It is a life of transformation. And it's more than just cosmetic. It's everything. That's the only place you find freedom. And for some of you today, I hope and pray the Holy Spirit's touched you and your knower has shown you in your knower and the great thing is no matter how bad the preaching is or how good the preaching is either one can't save you the word says unless the spirit draws you woos you If that's the case, I just want to encourage you. Don't be like the man looks in the mirror. He's what he sees, knows what he knows, and walks away. Don't just be hearers of the word, but doers. That's just sign them to come up as we close. The deal is not that you have an encounter with Jesus. It's what you do after the encounter that matters. Would you stand with me? Like I said earlier, one of the hardest things for me was just what I was going to have to let go of in order to go where I needed to go to. I don't know what that is for some of you, maybe. 
And you may be a believer, and that's the thing that's keeping you. I don't know. But what I do know is this. Whatever that is, if the Lord asks you to lay it down, you'll be glad. And yes, he will ask you to pick some things up. And you will be glad. I'm going to sing a verse of a song. I'm going to come back up. And, but before we do, I want to pray for us. Just ask the Lord to help us right now to shorten that distance between our knower and doer. Lord, you've given us a people who have, of optimism. You've given us people of forward thinking. Today we're reminded that no matter what we're going through, it's already been mentioned here, no matter what we are going through, there is great hope. And it may not all be worked out in this world. But that's okay. Because our hope is eternal. Lord, I pray today that as we have gathered here on this Easter Sunday, trying to maybe get from one spot to the other for some this just gets us from breakfast to dinner for lunch or for some maybe that's why they're here I, I hope that's not Lord but it may be but I hope in this stop here Lord that your Holy Spirit has been at work where it's very clear to each of us our knower and our doer need to start syncing up. Your spirit comes. Yes, to convict us. Sure, Lord. But to comfort us as a helper. Help us live this out. But Lord, thank you right now for the folks represented here, those online. Lord, in these next few minutes, Lord, have your way. Pray this in your name.